0: This is great. Chilling by the ocean. Waves crashing. Drink on the side. Death Star flying above me. Hey, those. Tie fighters? The sun is out and our blockade is legal. Join Robin Boat and Sean Mee's show right now. Right now. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Brick City Blockade Podcast. Here it's myself, Robin Vote, sitting and in his bedroom doing what everybody should be doing, which is staying home if you can and saving lives in the process. But of course, on this episode, I am super, super excited in this one-on-one conversation to have our good friend John Bishop back here from our little segments that he did. Uh, you know, we're originally uh, a, a around the galaxy then across the galaxy we worked our way around it we found it and uh we're so excited to have john back here dude i am excited to do some podcasting with you oh man i'm so glad to be back across the
1: galaxy harry this is uh this is great and we've got lots to talk about and lots to talk about that isn't necessarily buried in the national news which is i'm sure what people are looking for uh, a little bit of an escape when they're as we are stuck in their bedrooms
0: 100 percent 100 percent. couldn't agree with you anymore on that you know that's the best form i was saying it on a couple of other podcasts including rebel scum podcast out of the greater toronto area in canada you know we have star wars it's an escapism it's one of the best forms of escapism and no matter what you enjoy in terms of films television you know it's it's a platform for us to get away from what's going on right now whether we're spending time with our families and watching it or even on our own, and just really taking a back seat to life for a little bit, and you know, having that time to yourself. But for you, John, let me ask you: You know, during this time, what what has been something that you've been like going towards uh, for your little bit of escapism? Is there something in the Star Wars universe? Is there something that you do for yourself? I'm curious to hear. Well, I'm lucky to be uh, uh, writing for the
1: Mickey Travels, uh, Mickey Blog uh, family of, of websites. That's Uh, marvelblog.com that's uh, disneybuzz.com and of course mickeyblog.com which is where my star wars stuff resides and i have to be honest that with the amount of um, stuff that i'm doing vocationally i don't have as much time as i'd like um, for myself so when i do have time i'm interacting with people like yourself on twitter i'm i'm watching uh, episodes of clone wars i'm i'm watching what um a lot of our creatives are saying online, you know, and, and Mark Hamill just just used recently put out something uh, is his, uh, what an extraordinarily journey, what an extraordinary journey it's been talking about his 40 plus years in, in Star Wars. And I thought that was pretty spectacular that he was acknowledging his special place, but also making sure that everyone understood it would continue and it'll continue in ways that we can't even imagine.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a Yeah, I mean, you and I were talking about it before we hit the record button here, and it's like, you know, we, we can get into that too. It's like, you know, I've been re-watching uh, every night, you know, chit-chatting with my girlfriend, just texting back and forth, and she's like, let me guess, you're watching Star Wars today? And I'm like, yeah, I'm watching Star Wars, I'm watching all the original trilogy films again. And, you know, I was recollecting on my experience in the theater for The Rise of Skywalker, and re-watching the... Uh, the original trilogy now, it's amazing how much connective tissue you can really pick up on now, that we're, we're out of the Skywalker saga at this point and you go back and you rewatch. and I was sitting there and I was texting my girlfriend I was like, my goodness, you know Mark Hamill's performances across the years line up so well um, in terms of his progressions whether it was when he did Star Wars and then he moved into doing animated projects in particular, doing more voiceovers and whatever else, and you just look at the repertoire of of um, performances and of things that he had worked on throughout his entire career, and knowing what he said, and in your blog piece, that it ain't over just yet, um, we're just in a time where we're not going to have any more news about anything. And I'm just curious to hear from your point, like... Coming out of The Rise of Skywalker and, you know, looking at the grand spectrum of the Skywalker saga, Mark Hamill has always stood out. And I think his progression over time has been something that Star Wars fans and movie fans in general have always loved. For you, what does Mark Hamill's TV and film legacy mean to you?
1: Well, I mean, he's, i he, it was the first multimedia experience that I've ever, you know, I, I saw and then there is some question in my mind on whether or not I saw it in 77 or the following year in 78 when mm-hmm. it was re-released. But it was the first thing I remember yeah. other than my parents. And I remember sitting on my father's lap um, watching the trench run. And uh, mm. I, I grew up in a very small town in northern Connecticut uh, just across the border from Ludlow, uh, Mass called Enfield. And, and Enfield There were a lot of tobacco farms and it it felt as far away from Boston and the center of the universe as I I experienced it. Mm -hmm. And so when Luke walks out of the Lars homestead and stares off into the twin suns, I have a great affinity for that moment because like so many young men, you know, and I, you know, I, I can only speak to that experience. Uh, I remember feeling restless and not really wanting to. Uh, not that I had any real problem with my hometown. I just wanted right. to move on and do something different. And you know, I moved on and went to Boston U. and And I, I can attribute a lot of my own feelings, if there was a greater world beyond the uh, cows at the end of my street, um, to you know watching and then reading and then experiencing star Wars, um, throughout my 45 years. I mean, it's, it's incredible to me that something has really stuck with me as long as I've been alive. Right. And in Mark Hamill, uh, as the person who delivered two thirds of that Mm. in, in many ways, uh, It it's incredible to me that it's all relevant. It maintains, as you've said, a great heart. Um, that there's oh, it, it, there's something in it for everyone if everybody gave it a chance, right? Um, you know, and what I what I do like about Mark is that even though he's had creative differences, very similar. To the creative differences that uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher had with various members of the behind-the-scenes team, when Mark has let those things slip, he's always pulled himself back to talk about the greater saga as a whole. Right. You know, did he love being relegated to the last scene of The Force Awakens? No, it's obvious he didn't. Of course not. Did he? Did he want to die in 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 The Last Jedi? No. Did it work? And did it expand the universe for infinite number of people to have um, Ray be the person that we were following in the sequel trilogy? Yeah, Yeah. it did. It did. And I think he recognizes that. I also think he recognizes himself as sort of the, you know, the grand sage of of the group. You know, Harrison is much more attached to Indiana Jones, and, and we'll talk about that anytime, but he does not love talking about Han Solo beyond his interactions with Adam Driver. But Mark Hamill embraces it. Embraces it in a way that I think is similar to Carrie Fisher. And I think he has an ability to transcend the actor-character relationship in understanding that a lot of people don't see him as Mark Hamill, but see him as Luke Skywalker. I think that's a gift. I think that's a gift that he's given to all of us. And thank God um, he's on the right side of things most of the time when he's tweeting and talking and yeah. and kibitzing, and that's awesome. And uh, I, you know that's a long-winded answer to what you were asking, but no. I think I think he's pretty <laughs> spectacular. And I, I I I just if there's anything that bothered me or worried me in that piece was that perhaps he was ready to step away from that mantle. Sure. Um, and that would bother me because I think it's important for him to remind all of us yeah. that there are other voices out there. There are other constituencies out there that whatever Star Wars comes now is going to be aimed at the 10, 12-year-olds of this generation. And it's yeah. up to us to uh, decide to accept that or move on. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, you and I, uh, at our varying ages, have have stuck with it. And I think it's enriched my lives and, and my life. And it's enriched the lives of the people around me. And it's made me a better uh, purveyor of media. You know, I, I grew up doing that and understanding what, you know, that films were meant to tell a bigger story for sure. um, books and cartoons. And now, you know, on Disney Plus, we have, uh, you know, semi-1940s-esque serials. Uh, coming every week like they did back in the day so this is pretty amazing
0: yeah it's a very unique time john and it's one of those moments where you kind of take a back seat for a second in in the case of what we've gotten with disney plus what disney continues to push out um in terms of content for star wars fans for marvel fans for you know fans of disney in general uh this is very unique territory for uh, a lot of us who grew up, you know, collecting the VHS tapes of our favorite stuff and, and the DVDs, I mean, don't tell me, don't, I, I'll still do that. Like, if I go to a flea market, I'm going to find some throwback stuff. Don't get me wrong. But it it's still in that category of everything is available at our fingertips. And I think what you said about Mark Hamill is a very important point um, in cooperation with this, that... Even though we are heading into this new age of media, and you might and myself, we've had to adapt our own practices to this new form of media and to different aspects of marketing and whatever else. The thing about Mark Hamill himself is that he has been able to make those adjustments with the times as well. He's been able to take on whatever the world throws at him. Hey, This is something different, this is something new. It's very different than what you did in the 1980s and even the early 1990s. And this is something that we're going to be adapting into our brand, into our uh, project that we're working on. And Mark Hamill, even though he may not agree with you initially, will come around to it and will realize, huh, that was different, that was unique, You know, and he'll always be on your side in that case, unless you, you know, ramble your mouth across social media about something that everybody else would agree with him on. Um, But other than that, you know, he has made adjustments over the years to different forms of media. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's very few people I can say that about. There's very few people that I can say that about. And he is one of the best, especially when it comes to Star Wars and especially when it comes to communicating with the fans. The fans recognize. That he is with the times, he is with them, and he spans so many different generations of not just Star Wars fans, but fandom in general, and that is what makes him so special.
1: Yeah, and I, I wonder if in his message the other day, if he was trying to remind people that um, you know each piece of Star Wars is its own piece, mm-hmm. and that it, it's the it's the sum of the parts that matter in the end. Uh, some of the pieces that he said, the things that he said in the Skywalker leg- legacy piece of the um, Rise of Skywalker digital extras, you know, where he was talking, he's very, he's being very esoteric at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time he was uh, either fresh off or just about to go onto Broadway and mm-hmm. doing a lot of amazing, great things with his own acting. But he was talking about the, you know, the greater mythology of it and that, Wanting Return of the Jedi to, although it may not be as groundbreaking as uh, A New Hope or or, um, as, as acted as professionally as Empire Strikes Back, I think he was hoping that the full circle nature of Return of the Jedi would allow people to enjoy the complete arc of his character. Sure. And that that was the important thing, and, and and the reason why I think they put that into the Rise of Skywalker DVD is that Daisy Ridley was saying the same thing, yeah. And that you know, um, Ian McDermott, when he's talking about the Emperor, you know, who is not supposed to be Mephistopheles, you know, this is a flawed flawed human being who's had. Um, a lot of power thrown his direction. And, and it's the difference between him and Darth Vader and him and Luke Skywalker and him and Rey that is the real crux of why Star Wars matters. Right. And so when I hear people getting angry because they didn't like what Ahsoka was doing in you know, three episodes of the greater uh, story of Clone Wars, I think they're missing the point. Yeah, yeah you, ha- you can have your, your opinion about where Clone Wars should and would be at this point. But Mm -hmm. the idea that we have Clone Wars at all right now, is pretty amazing, first of all. And second of all, remember you in the mirror, that person looking back at you, isn't the only person purveying or or, um, surveying instead of purveying, sorry, you're not the only person that that episode's meant for. So yeah, perhaps as a 45-year-old man, uh, 45-year-old white guy looking at, um, the latest couple episodes of, of Clone Wars, I, I I don't sit here and say, oh, I'm going to watch that over a bunch of times. Right. It's not meant for you. You know, it's not meant for me. It's not meant for just one person. And so I do know that there's a whole lot of episodes um, throughout the years of the Clone Wars and throughout the years of the canon and throughout the years of the uh, expanded universe that were meant for me. And and that I picked up on the cues of people who were like me writing about it, and I'm very happy now that I have sons who are not like me and are growing up in a very very different world. I'm glad that they're seeing storytelling from a whole different part right. of you know human experience. So that that the the things that Star Wars did for me, which was allow me to open my myself up to a bigger world back in. 1975 through 1985. I'm hoping that when they're taking in these stories, that they're opening up their world to so many different types and things and stories that they may never have been exposed to. And thankfully it's done through the medium of fantasy sci-fi, yeah, which which allows them to have fun with it rather than having to imbibe it the same way they would, you know, the great Gatsby or some other great work of literature. And I think that's great.
0: It's absolutely great. And another point you just made there, John, which I think has to be reiterated also, is that you have to remember the guy who is also behind this project. You know, we say it all the time at Brick City Blockade. We have a a T-shirt associated with it. In Filoni, we trust. And there's a reason why Rebels was so successful as well, because Dave Filoni is the master of taking things and putting it on the shelf and taking it back off the shelf when it makes sense. And we're seeing that I think throughout. Um, I mean, I'll make it a, before I get continue with that. I'll, I'll make a direct reference just to Rebels alone. Everybody said the space whales. Now, everybody can agree with this that not everybody agreed with the idea of space whales. I personally love Purgles. I love the idea of their of their existence in the Star Wars universe. But everybody wasn't sure about them at first. Well, when it came to Ezra and Thrawn, (laughs) guess what came to the rescue in that case? was the purgles, and they played a major role in a specific major intersection in the storyline itself. And Filoni put those purgles on the shelf early on after those few episodes and took them back later and used them. He is the master of doing that, and... I agree with you with the Ahsoka stuff. It, it's not built for me. It's not built for me in particular. It's not built for one individual like you have said. It's built for others. And I think what we're seeing in terms of story progression now with Clone Wars is stuff that will be helpful later on either now or later on in another Filoni project, which will be amazing. And I think he is the master, again, I've said it completely uh, multiple times here, is the master of doing that. And that's his style. It's something that he learned from George. It's something that he has taken on with him, with Kathleen Kennedy, into the Disney realm of Lucasfilm. And is something that has to be respected because I feel like his storytelling abilities is something that not only did Bob Iger trust 100%, but it's something that I think Star Wars fans have trusted over the years. And yeah, perhaps even when they didn't even know it. Right, exactly, exactly. He does it in a way that is so quiet and so respectful that I think as Star Wars fans we we kind of watch something and we're like, okay, this, you know, the dreaded word filler. Oh my goodness, this is a filler episode. Well, guess what? It's gonna come around later and you're gonna say, Okay, I see what Dave did there. Okay. Yeah, all right. You know, what, the, what what is what does filler mean, by the way? You right. know, it, it you know, the
1: the novel Ahsoka, right? That right. was the name of that. Yeah. yeah. That was filler. It was purposely going back and filling in yeah. pieces of the timeline that we did yeah. not know. The novel Catalyst, same thing. Well, Could okay. you make a, a, a movie about Catalyst? Probably not. No, but you know, th- thankfully, we have these really terrific people, um, you know, at Marvel and in the publishing biz, who are pumping out these stories that you know happen to stay on the same timeline yeah. in a way that is you know more centrally located. A la the MCU, Uh um, which I also love. And I'm really glad about that because one of the main takeaways I had from the expanded universe was some of it just didn't make any sense and it contradicted itself and was, you know, similarly hyperbolic or boring. You know, in in varying sweeps, I remember the Medsire duology or the MedStar oh, trilogy, goodness. and I, I wanted to jump off the, the Mass Act Bridge when I tried to read a couple of those. <laughs> but you know, in a, in the end, I'm sure there are right. people who really loved that. And sure. do I want to take that away from them? No. Do I really? Do, does it make me happy that there are people who really love these last three episodes? Yes, it does. You know why? Because in the end, I'm a little selfish. And I want Star Wars to continue. And by the way, it's a business. And if nobody watches, I'm not going to get that episode that I really like. Because, you know, it didn't continue. So, you know, I remember I went through an awful long time when there was no new Star Wars to be
0: had. And this is a lot better. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's a very unique time. It's one that has been a long time coming, number one. And then number two... I think is great. Like you brought it up earlier for the next generation of star Wars fans, your kids, my kids someday, you know, the kids that I, I I work with at the school that I, that I'm at, you know, I see it. I see them come up to me and say, Hey, Mr. Vote, you know, did you finally go see the rise of Skywalker? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I did see it. And they're like, what do you think? They they look for perspective on star Wars. They look for perspective from somebody who's older than them about something, but it's so great to hear them talk about it. It's so great to hear them, you know, speak about the things that I was passionate for for so long and still am. And seeing that next generation rise up, uh, no pun intended, but uh, rise up in in their love of of everything Marvel, Star Wars, Disney in general.
1: Well, the nice thing, too, is um, it's as you're saying, it's a unifying factor. You know, one of the things that my nine year old and I have in common is Star Wars. He's yep. not a huge. He's not a huge Red Sox fan. He doesn't, uh, it, you know, take in mass media the way I do. the The idea that he uh, loves and appreciates the serial nature of Stranger Things or The Mandalorian is different than me, you right. know. And I, I think that I have trouble binging eight hours of content at a time. Whereas two and a half hours, I got no problem, and I'll watch it over and over. So I'm noticing these major differences that the new storytellers are jumping into. You know, whether it's the, uh, the, the Clone Wars or to the Mandalorian or when when Obi Wan finally appears, or you know, the actual immersive things that are happening um, in the uh, gaming spaces or you know, literally Galaxy's Edge. You know, and so all of these things um, put this guy. Uh, it, in a really great move, but also kind of stressed me out because one of the things that I was always very pleased about is that I understood the one through six story. Yeah, I understood the arc of the Clone Wars. I I now understand what's happening in Mandalorian, but there's so much, and much of it. Much of it is very very good, including the books and the books on audio are. spectacular and if if you haven't tried any of that stuff then you're really missing out on what can be a piece of the fandom every day for you in private as you're driving yourself to work or school
0: yeah i I, i'm gonna second you on that one and i hope Del Rey is listening to this because it's one of those things like the audiobooks alone if you have time right now if you're at home i agree with you john you know go on to audible go Buy yourself uh, and get yourself one of the latest novels, one of the latest Star Wars novels, some of the ones from the past. I Lost Stars, you know, any of the Thrawn books. You know, there's, there's so many great novels out there right now that you can get on Black audio. Spire.
1: Black, Black Spire. Spire.
0: You have Black Spire. You have to read or listen to Black Spire
1: before you go to Galaxy's Edge. Now is the perfect time because yeah, right the- now you can't go. But if you, if you have that backstory in mind as you're walking the streets... Batu, mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It's just a completely different experience. And it's an, an experience that doesn't necessitate you standing in line. It doesn't necessitate you, you know, plunking down hundreds of dollars to do the various things that all the tourists are doing. And, you know, I count myself in that <laughs> bunch as well. But if you happen to be there and your kids are out on, in the Toy Story land and you just want to go in Batu and sit down and look around. That is a mind blowing experience, especially if you've read any of the literature, if you've read the comics, if you, you know, and, and just how well the uh, creatives across different platforms have have talked to each other. I, that's one of the things I, I, I get very angry about uh, when mm-hmm. people really dismiss the rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. That was a 12 year old me that was a dreamscape of everything that I would have wanted to see after I saw Return of the Jedi. Uh And the idea that here's the Emperor back, and here's a new um, protagonist, and oh my gosh, there's X-Wings, and they're fighting against TIE fighters, and look at that, that alien. And yet everybody walking out of it was so, I
0: don't know, I know what you're saying. I, it
1: just it felt like what it what, what did you guys want? Did you want what was exactly in your head cannon? Well, that's not fair because these people it's like it's like saying, Yeah, you know, I could play third base for the Red Sox. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> not not even close. I worked in I worked in professional sports. Yeah. In my in the back of my head, I believed that there was only, you know, and I have my fingers an inch apart, this much space between the average human being and what these professional athletes were doing. Yeah. No, no, that's not right. No, No. it's, it's, it's actually yardstick, (laughs) you know, between you uh, and, and your, you know, your glory days in high school or on the intramural uh, ice and what these guys were doing. And to me, one of the things I'm so impressed by is just how well some of these creative types have been able to adapt their own style or their own way of thinking into this you know, generational storytelling thing and that we still get this stuff pumped out and Disney's still making money on it. And now I can actually go visit it. It's just, it's mind boggling. If you had told me that when I was reading Starlog about what was coming down the pike after Return of the Jedi, you know. I just remember nothing. And that's why I watched Robotech for years and why I switched over to Battlestar Galactica when that came back. Yeah. And, you know, so th- this to me, this is just the best thing. You know, I'm excited for that. I'm mean, now, now I'm excited to see Indy come back and see what they can do with that. So um I'm just I'm trying not to be a curmudgeon is what I'm trying to say. And I, I wish that you know people your age and people younger than you would try a little bit harder to not think so highly of what they have in their own minds. And maybe to think um, about what was presented. And then if they really disagreed with it, well, you know what? There's a whole universe of ideas and places that don't necessarily need it to be called Star Wars. There's a whole bunch of things that I really love that are not Star Wars. And, you know, sometimes things fit in Star Wars and sometimes things don't. And, yeah. So I I don't know if I'm going to piss off anyone on either (laughs) side. Uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to be very tolerant of other people's ideas, you know I'm an old guy and young minds fresh ideas be tolerant.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent I see it a lot with my generation I'm sure if I was to, to ask Sean Andrew Scott anybody They would probably say a very similar thing that you know There there's a certain disconnect uh, with what you're speaking about and it's like, you know being aware that there is not just your perspective on things, that there is a whole bevy of other people that are trying to wrap their head around and are trying to enjoy different aspects of not just Star Wars, but things in life, and then, of course, things that uh, we call ourselves part of a fandom for. And it's amazing to see that even, you know, when I'm out and about at conventions and whatever else and I'm talking to people, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, John. I'm going to be honest with a lot of our listeners. A lot of the time, when I'm talking about Star Wars with a lot of people my own age, it's really just their perspective on it, and it's and I respect that I do. But sometimes it gets overly critical to a certain point where it's like, well, that's not what I wanted. And I'm like, hold on a second. It's not about what you wanted. It's not. I'm sorry that it didn't go your way, but it, it's not. You know, you were sitting in the theater and you may not have been happy. But it's like in Washington, D.C., two-thirds majority is what passes a law. So Mm -hmm. if you didn't fit right for you, I'm sure there's a lot of people in that theater that actually probably did enjoy it. I might be wrong. But it's the same thing. Get your head out of that mindset and be a little bit more open. That's all we're asking.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about all the rigmarole that J.J. Abrams had to go through. Yes. Throughout the years in order to create stories the way he wanted them to be created. Now, you, you can go into a real good and very important argument about opening the world up to, um, you know, J.J. Abrams, who aren't, you know, five foot six white guys, right? Like, right, I, you know, right. like, like yes, yes, that is, I'm not going to discount the, you know, the glass ceiling that is there for you know, everyone beyond... Um, my Caucasian-ness. But that said, you know, the reason why J.J. Abrams has Star Wars 9 and 7 is because he did Felicity, and he did um, you know what I'm saying? He did Lost, and he wrote and he's done all this creative storytelling throughout his entire adult life. He is in effect the third baseman, the high-paid third baseman of the Boston Red Sox. And that's important to recognize that that he worked very hard to get to that place. Um, yeah, as will anybody who comes down the pike. Uh, you know, I I have been very uh, respected, respectful of the different ways that people are telling the Mandalorian story.
0: Oh, my goodness. And man. I'm
1: really excited to see De- Deborah Chow, right? Mm. To do um, Obi-Wan. I mean, that's going to be amazing, too. So... You know, all of these things coming down the pike, you know, with, with you know different people and different perspectives and different characters who aren't going to be able to just leap out of a situation because they have the force. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, sorry to dominate there, but I, I definitely uh, I feel very strongly about
0: that. Man, I, I agree with you 100%. We're at that point, too, where, you know... Different is better for me. The more diverse, the more different we can get in terms of Star Wars or any other franchise. I love it, and that's not going to make everybody happy, and that's fine. But I think we're at a time right now where this is this is the time to do it. This is the time to really explore all the different creative minds that we have available to us at this time and some of the and also have the opportunity to go to the theater, pop in a blu-ray watch it on Netflix or on uh, Amazon Prime, whatever your streaming service is, and watch their repertoire of films that they've been able to do over the years and say, sweet. And this is, and this is exactly what Kathleen and the Lucasfilm crew has done. They've said, look at these, these people, look at what they've been able to pr- produce, what could they bring to the table? What could they bring? And I feel like that approach, we see it with the novels too. Uh, the solo novel, by uh, Daniel Jose O'Dare. That book alone for me, like after going to see Solo and then reading that book, he brought a very different perspective to things in that book. It's happening in the novels. It's happening now through The Mandalorian. And I think it's something, I mean, last season itself, Bryce Dallas Howard's episode, and then um, uh, who else did we have? We had so many great people in there. Um, Was it Takiti's um, episode? Yeah, uh, Taika t-
1: Waititi. Mort- yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, not only do I enjoy watching what he does, but I enjoy seeing him speak. Yes. I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy what his message is in general on Twitter, and so yes, I want to see that in, in in put into the the content that I'm watching. Yeah. Um, but you know, here's the thing, and, and one of the things that I think he does very well uh, in reminding his viewers and his readers and his listeners. Art is not supposed to make everybody happy. That's just it. the The, the Great Gatsby is a great novel because it is off putting. Mm-hmm. The Great Gatsby mm-hmm. is imp- important in that it questions um, why people are wanting to achieve wealth, yeah. and what and and how wealth you know can't get you everything you want. That is going to be an anemotha. To some people, and their look at how things go. That you know, my, my guess is that somebody who's working on Wall Street, or, or somebody who has studied economic policy, yeah. might have a quite a different view of the Great Gatsby and the time it was set, That's than somebody who's looking at it from a literature standpoint, right? Yeah. And I think it's one of the great noir novels of all time, and I think it's so sad, so unbelievably sad. But then. You know, it's supposed to make you angry. It's supposed to make you upset, which most great art does. And by the way, all great artists were paid, okay? Mm -hmm. All great artists had to do a certain (laughs) amount of quote-unquote filler, right? There's a whole bunch, and I use uh, uh, Scott Fitzgerald as my my alternative here because it's the one author that I know quite a bit about, you yeah. a whole lot of stories for the Saturday Evening Post that you're not going to find at the top of anyone's list. Very okay. Good. So, you know, when it comes down to it, if you love a particular artist's work or a particular genre's work, you can look at that genre and decide, I didn't love this, but I really like that. I don't yeah. love Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer, but I know exactly what it's speaking to, as right. opposed to Chandler. And, you know, Sam Spade and and all those guys, Mm. you can look at those pieces within the genre and say, I love this and I don't necessarily love that. But I respect what was going on here and how it might have informed this other stuff. I just, uh, you know, not to get too long winded, but it definitely makes me angry when everybody's very close minded.
0: Right. It's something that I think society is working itself through. I think, you know, our conversations about it, this podcast itself here could be sent out as a little uh, FYI podcast to society on its own. Just like, hey, you know what? Wake up just for a minute and just kind of recollect where you are right now which, and what you got to do going forward to keep yourself open minded because it is. It's. And I think we're in a challenging time where that can happen. You know, you're in your own space and and, you know, but keeping that. Open mindset is important. I think that's the message that we're trying to drive home, whether it's in Star Wars, whether it's in fandom, whether it's uh, in, a, in a bevy of different areas, you know, just in life itself. Just stay open minded, stay focused, and, you know, continue to love what you love. I think that's what's most important in all this, John. Is, um, you know, our passions are built for a reason in our lives, and we have to take them forward with a positive mindset, a positive focus. And an open focus as well, you know?
1: And if and if at that point you don't like it anymore, hey, yeah. you know what? There's the door. And I don't mean to be that in an exclusionary type of way, but nobody's forcing you yeah. to accept that Ben Solo died, okay? Like, you can, in your mind, move on with the way you would like it to go. Yeah. But, again, you're not the third baseman of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. If you happen to hit a home run, it does not mean as much as the person who did it in Fenway Park. That does not diminish the effort or the accomplishment. Sure. And it certainly doesn't diminish the effort or the accomplishment of the person who's doing it on the biggest stage. Okay. I just think that there is a certain amount of separation that everybody has to take when it comes to fictional content, especially now, I mean, look, I, you know say what you will about any number of the red uh, the red Sox of the Star Wars uh, saga stories or or the you know Rogue One or or um, Solo mm-hmm. right? which i adored by the way i loved solo me
0: too
1: and i would bet that a whole lot of people who are crapping on solo because it didn't fit their own headcanon would really love to know that there's a, uh, a Star Wars movie coming next summer and you know what, guys? There is no Star Wars movie coming next summer. And you know what? Why that might be? is because a whole lot of people went into seeing some of these other films and expecting one thing and got something else and didn't respect the uh, point of view of the people who were putting it together. The thousands of people who were putting it together. And it would be – the world would be a better place with more Star Wars of course. than less. So, that's at least where I'm coming from. <laughs>
0: Simple as that. I I think that's a great perspective on that one, John, 100%. Now, before we wrap up this episode, you, my friend, took a little trip to a little place called galaxy's edge not well, not too long ago actually in perspective uh you know i'm curious to hear your thoughts on your experience uh to all the block haters out there who haven't had the chance to go yet are dreaming of their chance and are probably going to pick up an audiobook of black spire now after your recommendation and our discussion about it uh what, what what was your thought going in how was the experience for you as a star wars fan and and just give us a little bit of a rundown on, on what they should expect and what they should look for.
1: Well, as a, as a presser, before you do go, I would definitely read the uh, Star Wars um, Galaxy's Edge comic books uh, from Marvel. And I would read um, Black Spire as well as uh, Resistance Rising. Right. And, and go into this immersive storytelling with those things in mind. Um, I would expect that you're not going to be able to do everything in one fell swoop, you know, for the, for example, people look at um, uh, a Disney vacation and they have the things that they really want to do. I would look uh, and maybe plan for a quote unquote Star Wars vacation or a Lucasfilm vacation uh. and and decide that instead of bounding all over the place, that you're gonna concentrate and pulling in everything you can about these things that you really loved when you were growing up. So go see the Indiana Jones um, Stunt Spectacular. Go to um, Star Wars Launch Bay, as long as it's still there. Um, Go enjoy the new and varying stories that you get on Star Tours. And then, as you're imbibing all those things, Enjoy what you get to take in right. at this very, very packed world that they call B- Batuno. Now, it is very difficult because it is the thing to do right now. Um, right. And the way that most Star Wars fans, I think, would love to enjoy it is not the way that they can enjoy it now. It's just too packed. Um, there's just too many people. So, you know, another baseball analogy is is I try to be, you know, hit it where they ain't. Yeah, right. (laughs) Don't don't go to the middle. Don't go to galaxy's edge between the hours of 10 and two every day. In fact, um, you know, if you can bear it, don't worry about getting on Rise of the Resistance. While everybody else is worrying about that, you go and enjoy a Ronto wrap. Go and taste test the blue milk or the green milk. Go Try to get on uh, Smuggler's Run, the Millennium Falcon ride, several different times so that you can try the different things that you can do in the cockpit. Right. Take pictures. Compare them to the things that you've seen as you were growing up, the toys that you had. Yeah. I just think that everybody is so you know singularly ride-focused that they're going to go and they're going to be disappointed because, A, they stood in line for rise of the resistance and it didn't necessarily fit the expectations that they had well most people are walking off just being blown away just like i did but i will tell you that i liked the millennium falcon q and the millennium falcon ride just a little bit more because that in in me in me the essence of star wars was being in that cockpit in the same way that the the Star Tours ride often gives you the the perspective that you had as a child watching the trench run. And so those two rides, in my opinion, maintain a special status. And I, I will admittedly have only seen Rise of the Resistance once. And I was with my children, and I was trying to make sure everybody was happy. And yes, there is this Pirates of the Caribbean immersive thing going on where you just can't imagine taking in all of it at once. Um, but after sitting in line for as long as we did uh, on our uh, queue and having tried to keep a you know three year old happy you know, <laughs> through throughout an hour and a half hour long wait, I was a little bit drained by the time I actually got on the ride. Right, and I will say that that. Take away right from the experience is the wrong word. But wow. until it becomes something that you can enjoy sort of uh, at your own pace
0: uh-huh. in the
1: same way. that Remember you, when you used to go, uh, I don't know how often you'd go, but you, you really could go on the great movie ride at any time. Right. And there were two different ways that that thing could go. And you were always excited to see which way it was going. And you'd always notice something new, whether or not it was... Um, Some of the posters in the alley where James Cagney is or where the, you know, gangsters were shooting from in that scene, or, you know, that um, Sigourney Weaver looked really like Sigourney Weaver in that scene. I think I'm excited to take in all of these things on a reputed way so that they are not only taken as that moment when I'm in the ride and I'm enjoying it, but they enhance my greater understanding of the saga and enhance what I've read and enhance what I've seen. So when I'm in the two, and I'm looking at there's a row, there's a street where there's a row of speeders. And I remember, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Vi mentioned that in the book um, Black Spire. And I'm like, okay, all right, this is really cool. Or why, Why Kylo Ren would be very angry as he walks around the streets of um, of Black Spire, and why, in particular, it's a reaction to something that's happened previously. It's just pretty neat, and I, you know, I know that's uh, that's trite, (laughs) but it, it it is it is overwhelming. In its depth and its breadth. And there are times where I'll be, I took a few pictures where I was like, did somebody actually put that there thinking somebody would be taking a picture with the sun behind it shining through those things? Um, Is that supposed to look like the ghosts that Yoda encountered when he visited the Sith crypt? You know, like there's so many, there's so many moments like that or, you know, simply walking by a helmet and being like, oh my God, God, if I had, if you had told my three-year-old me that you would almost be able to touch an X-wing pilot's helmet Mm -hmm. and it's right there, right in front of you. And it feels so real that at times it's hard to separate that notion of, of reality versus fiction. And that for somebody who's 45 years old, has three children, you know, uh, you know, a wonderful wife, home, two cars, with all those things that come with all that stuff, to be able to forget how old you are or, you know, to light up your own lightsaber and have a moment that is probably the equivalent of somebody seeing an amazing aria uh, in, a, in an opera setting or somebody who's really enjoying watching uh, baseball player play. I'm enjoying turning on my lightsaber and feeling the hum in my hands as it, as it extends yeah. or t- to turn on your own droid and have it turn its head and look at you. You know, I, you <laughs> know like I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm waxing really poetic about things that are very commercial, but that said, it was worth every penny.
0: Well, that's so, just it. That's just it. I mean, all of this is built to have an experience, right? All of this right. is built to take you back to your childhood. That's the beauty of Star Wars. That's the beauty of Disney itself is to, to take you back to a place where, you know, you can recollect, not necessarily on your past, but uh, recollect on what it was like to be a kid again. And it, it's so beautiful that you had that experience And we're able, you know, like you said, is it commercial? Is it part of the marketing and the branding? Yes. But do you really care when you're lifting up a lightsaber and feeling that hum? No, because there's such a deeper connection there that it it means so much more. And I'm excited to go at some point. I know Andrew's going to be going. Sean's going to be going at some point. I am just, from your experience alone, I think anybody who's listening, I mean, You've given us the tips on on what to do, when to do them, and I love the idea of just like literally, if you're gonna go down, make it a Star Wars vacation. Then make it that point rather than trying to do everything all at once. I agree.
1: Yeah, because it, it gets really, really tiring if you try to do that. And take it from somebody who writes about Disney for part of his living. You know that. Yeah. My my one of my upcoming stories will literally be you know the yeah, the Lucasfilm walk. You know, and, yeah. and how you can really enjoy all of these things while they're still there, because Lord knows that uh, that is a big swath of land for Disney to keep for the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular or the, you know, right. the launch bay at, uh, at Walt Disney World. So I, I just do think that everyone should really enjoy the time that we're living in rather than be- bemoaning each small detail. You know what? Yeah. Life's too short. There are too many other things to worry about. Enjoy it while it's here.
0: Well said, well said. I'm wrapping it up on that point. That was well, it was well done. All right. So if you want more perspective on galaxy's edge, on the things that John is talking about here, that's right. It's a little thing at the podcast that we like to call plug time. John, where can the good people find everything that you're doing, all your experiences and what you're doing on your daily life across social media? The uh, easiest
1: way to catch me is on uh, twitter, jm. Bishop jr at jm. Bishop Jr. just like the chess piece. And um, the other way is to really you know dial in on mickeyblog where you'll find um, all kinds of amazing stuff, uh, not only from me, but uh, any number of uh, really, really talented um, people who are trying to make Disney as fun as possible and and let you understand the business and and all of the ip in as much depth as possible i'm really really grateful to uh greg antonelli and his family who have welcomed me into their family of websites and writers and it's just been uh, an amazing experience all the way around i'm so grateful for everything that the folks at uh, mickeyblog.com and its affiliates have done for me and my family
0: Yeah, I mean, every time you share out that resource, every time I see you put a link to one of the articles that you've done uh, over on Twitter in particular, you know, I click on it, I go through it. I'm very impressed by Mickey Blog, everything that they're doing, Mickey Travels, uh, everything that you've associated yourself with over there is really fantastic, and there's some great resources to Disney fans alone, so I highly recommend it as well. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at MrVoteTweet. Make sure to check out the Brick City Blockade over there at BrickCitySWPC. www.brickcityblockade.com is going through a complete remake. We are focusing on a mobile focus for everybody, all of our commuters that listen to us from Tokyo all the way to San Francisco. We're bringing on a new focus for you all so that you can catch up on what's going on in Star Wars and in the fandom in, in different aspects of the Brick City Blockade on our brand new mobile app style so we'll be rolling that out here in 2020 hopefully by the fall time we're really looking forward to you having you guys explore that also make sure to check us out over on facebook like the page for all the latest episodes and subscribe to the podcast on itunes on spotify on stitcher it's all there for you guys across all those fantastic podcasting apps and check out our t public page all the latest designs, including the AP5A Rebels musical, as always, and some of the new designs that we are releasing here and there for you, the fans. Stay tuned for even more. So, John, it's been awesome having you here on the podcast. I look forward to many more episodes in the near future. Here. Oh, thank you so much, Robin. It's it's always a pleasure, and it's nice to, to reach out
1: and to find like-minded people like yourselves and all of your teammates. There, it's it's rare to find a group that is so positive and so uplifting, and I'm really, really pleased to be a part of this as well.
0: I love hearing it. Love hearing it. We're pleased to have you on, but it's not a podcast folks until we say this. Have a great night folks, and hey, may the force be with you. Always.